it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with me, your host, Kat. It's time to welcome this week's special guest. This week I'm joined by writer for Horror Geek Life and host of the Blood, Sweat and Popcorn podcast, John. Hi, welcome to the show. Hello, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited yeah. to be here. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really stoked. I'm excited because you chose uh, an older movie, which um, I haven't done an old movie for a while because I'm in a back catalogue at the moment with my episode, which I'm super grateful for. It's a good uh, problem to have for certain. It is. It feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. So I, like you said, I write for Horror Geek Life. I also write for another uh, film critic website called CRP Writes. And I also have been hosting my own podcast, Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn, for over a year now. And I'm also on YouTube under the same banner. And I am the consummate movie nerd. Um, you know, <laughs> many, many of us wave the same flag, but, you know, I, I'm in a committed film challenge for 2021. Every day for a year right now, I'm watching a new film I've never seen. Oh, wow. Sweeping across every genre. Like, I just wrapped up a, a week with movies from the 1940s before that was a week uh films directed by people of color um before that films directed by women uh you know so the whole, all year long i'm exploring because there's so much i've seen uh there's so much more i want to see uh but october i can't wait cause october every day is nothing but horror um, <laughs> it's the best month of the year it's the best it honestly like what better <laughs> what more could you ask for um and yeah, I, I'm I'm from the states. Obviously, I'm uh, originally from Florida. I currently live right outside of Washington D.C. And yeah, I'm just you know, if you talk movies, you're going to talk to me. <laughs> so. You're there. You're there for it. That, that's my that's my pitch. Okay. <laughs> oh, and you're also a massive fan of Parkway Drive, but you know. Oh, huge fan of Parkway Drive. <laughs> Humongous. Australia just does the best of everything. To be honest, they haven't they haven't uh, blown it yet. So y'all are. Yeah, got a pretty good average going for yourselves. I'll, I'll say. I mean, we've got Parkway Drive. We have Mick from Wolf Creek. We have we have the best of everything. <laughs> you have Hugh Jackman. Okay, come on. Oh yeah, of course, Mel Gibson. Yeah, which is yeah. Uh, that's happy. Nicole Kidman. There you go. That's fair. Samara Weaving. <laughs> fair enough. Best of everything. Oh, I don't ever say that really often, to be honest. <laughs> Hey, but it sounds good, so you know it does. Look, I'm just trying to get people here. Once COVID's over, you can <laughs> just be here. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, today we're talking about an American werewolf in London, which I'm going to be really open and honest and transparent. This week's the first time I ever watched that movie. Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> this week this week marks probably the one thousandth time I watched this movie. <laughs> Not to flex or anything, but. Uh... It's the, my number two favorite horror film of all time. It's fantastic. I don't blame you at all. I love it so it's, much. It's great. Yeah, I was um, speaking with my general manager at work, and I was like, have you ever seen an American werewolf in London? And because she's, she's from England, she's British, and she's like, oh, gosh, I have not seen that in so long. And I was like, yeah, I only saw it for the first time this week. What, what am I doing? Oh, I'm going to break some stuff. I'm going to break some stuff down for you. I'm going to like. Yes, <laughs> that's for what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right, so let's dive into American Werewolf in London. So two American college students on a walking tour of Britain are attacked by a werewolf that none of the locals will admit exists. American Werewolf in London was released on August 21st, 1981 and grossed $30 million at the box office in the States and $62 million worldwide against a budget of $5.8 million. It's written and directed by Jen, John Landis, who you know from The Blues Brothers, one of my favourite movies of all time, Twilight Zone, the movie, Here Come the Monsters, and Michael Jackson's Thriller. The film stars David Norton, Jenny, I can't even say her last name. A gutter. I got to Okay, well, that makes sense. And Griffin Dunn. Um, yeah, so American Werewolf in London is chiefly appreciated as a milestone in the comedy horror genre and for its innovative makeup effects. So this film is the first film to have ever won a special effects award in the horror genre, which is fucking awesome. Also, it was the first movie ever to ever be awarded the Oscar for Best Makeup. It was a new yeah. category, and this one, this one took it that oh, year. Oh, that year that so that was nineteen eighty one, like or eighty two. I'm not sure how they do it for Oscars. So the yeah, so it's the awards are the year after is the they're, the awards celebrate the year before. So okay, yeah, the eighty two Oscars celebrated nineteen eighty one films like an American Werewolf in London. So yeah, because um that year they it was like the year of the werewolf. So there was Wolfen. The Howling and an American Werewolf in London were all re- released that year, which is they just weren't. super cool. Yeah, um, I w- I'm gonna go backwards real quickly. You you failed yeah. to mention one of John Landis's biggest biggest movies, and that was Animal House. Um, I'll see because I haven't seen it, so I didn't put it on there. <laughs> so, so actually, it's, it's it's kind of kind of interesting that that gets mentioned, and the reason why I say that is because Animal House was like a big hit for John Landis. It really put him on the map. It got him a lot more work. Um, it, got, it helped get an American World in London greenlit. And the thing is, everyone, you know, he kind of put himself in a box. John Landis did like he's this comedy director because the movie he did before that, Kentucky Fried Movie, was also a comedy. So he'd been like doing this on this, this comedy streak. And while American World in London is funny in parts, it's mostly a, a horror film. And so when audiences went to go see it, they're like, oh, it's gonna be a ha 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 ha, and they're like, holy, holy <laughs> crap, this is whoa, what, whoa, what, blood and people dying, and this is horrifying. What are we watching? What do you do to us, John Landis? You son of a bitch! <laughs> but uh, throw us into this. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So um, do you want to get rolling in, in the opening? Yeah. Scene? Um, I just want to make one comment. Um, sure. I absolutely love the blues brothers and it cracked me up that uh the film studio wanted them to have um dan Aykroyd and what's his name um john belushi john belushi as the main characters for this because they were so recognizable from the blues brothers that wouldn't have worked i feel please don't like just leave them in blues brothers territory please we don't need a crossover universe yeah, this movie calls for a different type of energy than yeah, and the as Blues Brother, Brothers had. The Blues Brothers, I know every word, every song, every lyric to those songs. Like, I have watched it so many freaking times because I grew That's up with a, a dad. Yeah, like, my dad was obsessed with the Blues Brothers, like, to the point where he had, like, a hat and he wore Ray-Ban Wayfarers everywhere and a straight oh. tie. Like, he was obsessed with that movie. He, he so. leaned into that movie. Yeah. My dad definitely leaned into Blues Brothers. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, 
opening scene. So um, I got to say, I love the this opening. I'm going to break down every scene because I, I love this, <laughs> this whole movie end to end, door to door. I love this movie. That's you great. Know, the opening scene, it's just sweeping shots of the Moors and you have Blue Moon, the song playing. Oh, and it's song. so good. That version is so good. And not that it matters, but like, you know, every shot of the opening credits has like a credit, like producer, whatever, whatever. And then it's a hard cut to the last one where it's the shot of the truck coming down the road where it says written and directed by John Lannis across the screen. Yeah. And we get introduced to uh, Jack and David. And I just like, it's kind of nice because this scene really set up and really teed up their chemistry as, yeah. as, as friends. You can really buy into their kinship. Like they, these guys have known each other for a long time. And, you know, I don't know the history of the two actors before the movie, but, you know, they hooked me right away. You know, they're joking about, oh, the sheep shit in my pack. And they're talking about, you know, <laughs> you know, college level boy stuff. Like talking about getting laid yeah. and having a good time and going to party and enjoying the trip. Like as they should, like they're young, go have yeah. fun. And uh, I like that long shot of them walking together. Um, yeah, the, that's or, nice. The series of shots, it's shots of them walking and joking. And also the shots as, as they go towards the town is that like the, uh, the lap dissolves shots of them getting closer and closer to town further, further away from the camera. And I like that because it really gives us time to sit with them and get to know them. And with very, it's very short scene, but you know, it's enough to like, for me at least, it was enough for me to like, be like, okay, I want to go on a trip with these guys too. Yeah. And so... They're really cool because I like that you get a real sense of, um, you know, they're Americans. They're so far away from home. Like you wouldn't travel with someone you're not really that good of mates with. Right. Especially backpacking. Like, hell no. <laughs> but I love when they car- they get out of the lorry and he's like, you have lovely sheep. <laughs> I was like, he's like the he's scripting like, in this is so great. He's <laughs> like, it's, it's very American of him. He's very, like... <laughs> Gotta be polite, kiss ass, like, hey man. Even though they shit in my pack, you know, hey, they're great. Love them. Yeah. I love how he's like, I'm gonna miss her. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, girls. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can imagine, like, on the way over, they probably were, like, talking to the sheep and themselves. <laughs> like, you could, like, I could, like, picture that in my head, like, two minutes before the that scene actually happened. But yeah, they, involving they, the sheep in their convo. <laughs> right. And. <clears throat> What I kind of liked about this whole opening scene also is, you know, they're in the country and they're very much away from everything. Yeah. And it really is this fish out of water. They're away from their, they're out of their country and they're going to a small town. And I've seen enough horror films to know when you go to a small town in a European country. And if you're American, it's going to be bad news. Like <laughs> that's just how you're the cookie crumbled. That, that's it, it, you're not. Sucks to be you. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, they walk into this this little village called East Proctor, and you know, in God knows where. Actually, I think it was filmed in Wales. Um, yeah, it was filmed like a couple of miles outside of Wales, but um, East Proctor is meant to be a part of. Um, I had it written down. It's like a northern part of England. Um, okay, Yorkshire. Okay. So it's meant to be like that area. I wonder like if, if Brits watch this movie, they can tell 
by their <laughs> accents who are their were part of England because I think there's the very distinctive different the regional dialects. Yes, but, um, yeah, it's the same here. That's fair. It's the same here, actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they go into the slaughtered lamb because they you know it's cold outside. Like I get it, and it's just so funny seeing like the whole party just kind of toned down because these two outsiders walk in and at first it's like okay they're outsiders you know they don't know they're american but they know they don't belong here or they don't not yeah. from here at least and the guy um they're playing darts and they're playing chess and they're just it's a good old time in the pub but everything kind of like it pumps the brakes and yeah they're just like uh you aren't welcome here but you could they felt so uncomfortable the two boys because they walked in like may we come in like question mark yeah. like is this cool yeah. <laughs> yeah and um yeah so they sit down and i don't it's like we don't have to go through every little line i could do that but uh no. <laughs> well you've seen it a, a thousand times I, I really have but uh <laughs> they see the pentagram on the wall and they um and they're talking about you know oh that's from universal studios talking about the wolfman and yeah and i i know that's like a nod from john landis who grew up on film sets as he was a, when he was a kid. So he probably just put that in there to help with the mythology of the werewolf. Yeah. Um, add a little bit of lore to the story and, and um, give the town a little bit more contextual reasoning as to why they're scared of the werewolf and protection. Yeah, and, and I want to like come back to this point when we, when this scene comes up again, when this, yeah. when the pub, when the, this pub comes up again later in the film down the road, but in this moment, at least, um, you can feel how uncomfortable everyone is. And it wasn't until yeah. the uh, they um, started razzing them a little bit about, you know, they had like the the jokes about the, the American, yeah, American off. taking the Mexican sure. out the window, like very off color, inappropriate humor. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, it's perfectly acceptable barroom speak in the early 1980s. I'm I'm certain, but uh, not today. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I liked how, uh, you know, in that false sense of comfortability, Jack's like, hey, what's that star on the wall? Like, let me just, yeah. let me just float that in the air, see where that lands. And, <laughs> Did and, not land. <laughs> and you know, the one dude missed the dartboard completely because you could see how talented that they were as dart players. And enough to like, yeah, actually, like, you made me miss. I never missed that board before. And I don't know. It's like, y'all could have just, like the 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 bar people, the townspeople could have been like, "Hey, maybe y'all should just stay here." Like, yeah, I think that <laughs> I, I think, and I don't want to get too like, I don't know, like hoity-toity about it, but like, there's some ethical problems with this group of people. Yes, well, I think that because they are outsiders, these two Americans, that they are in a motif to only protect their own and not worry about anybody else like make sure that everybody that there is safe always and they really just don't care about these people although when the when the boys leave um the bartender does say we should go after them yes like so she has a little bit of a conscience but the others are like mm, no fuck that well was she before they left she said you can't let them go yeah and, you know, you think about, like, why is everyone at the bar right now? Because no one wants to be mm -hmm. outside. Like, the town was pretty much empty when they were walking up to the pub because everyone was inside because they knew better. And so, it was, literally, they're getting thrown to the wolf, wolves, or wolf in this case. 
And so, you know, Jack and David, they leave the, you know, go gobby with you. And I like the stick to the road, keep clear of the moors. Yeah. And that line always, I don't know. There's something about how he says that line. It just, it just ugh, gives me chills. And he says, beware, beware the moon. And beware the moon. Like, oh, beware the moon. <laughs> Like, like, what, the, like, all right. The fuck are you talking about, bro? Like, <laughs> like okay. Can we just, we're just going now. We're leaving Bye. now. Yeah. Deuce, yeah. Deuce. But, you guys uh, win. <laughs> but what gets me every time is, is you know, after they leave, the people inside are still kind of bickering, like, oh, we could have done this, could have done that. Like, no, fuck you. We shouldn't have said anything to them. Let them go. And then you, yeah. hear, you hear the howl. Yeah. That howl is chilling. And because it's not like a contemporary or contemporary, a, a, a normal howling sound. Uh, it's very, um, it's very unique, very distinctive. Yeah. And uh, it just, and then when like you see them later on as they're walking on the moors, or as they get veered off the road, Jack and David hear the howl and they kind of stop and they're like, what, what, what was that? Should, <laughs> just, should we go back? <laughs> stay on the road. Oh, well, shit. Oops. <laughs> I love that David's just like, oh, oops. And they just laugh about it. I'm just like, no, get back to the road. I mean, I will tell you that, you know, if, if it were me in their position, like I would have thought the whole town was a bunch of nuts and I would have bolted yeah. just the same. Um, yeah. And I don't know where to, where I would have gone next, but I would have gotten the hell out of there. But, um, you know, what I, it's funny, like, I wanted to ask you this question later, but I'm going to ask you it now. Um, sure. In the course, because we have a, a jump scare, so to speak, coming up in this moment right before they get attacked. And did you find this movie horror, like uh, terrifying or horrifying? Scary. Not scary, but it has its horrifying elements, like that, um, which we will get into, obviously, the transformation scenes, the gore scenes. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the scenes with Jack later, they oh, yeah. are what makes this film horror. But I anticipate, I didn't think that there would be jump scares in this film because I don't find that a lot of them are in monster movies. And yeah, it's and... more about like the element of surprise or hiding away what the monster really looks like until you finally see like the big reveal of mm-hmm. whoever you know this monster is. And I think that that's what makes a great monster movie is where you're kind of left thinking, well, what does it look like? What does it do? Right, and you know, I'm I'm just corrupted by my own experiences because I've seen this movie so many times that I know all the scares before they're coming. Um, I can like count down in my head: three, two, one, boom, there he is. But yeah. I, I, you know. <laughs> So I was very interested to hear your take as essentially a, a virgin viewer, you know, very recently, like how many scenes actually like kind of got you like, like, oh, shit. I, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's definitely quite that I just was not anticipating at all. But also I, it takes a lot for a jump scare to get me. And That's it's fair. normally in supernatural films. That's where I get like terrified. I love <laughs> monster movies. So I love, I'm like anticipating like seeing what the monster looks like. And it doesn't necessarily come as a jump scare to me. And with this film, because it does have a few jump scares, you know, I, I watched it earlier today actually, just to like, I actually had it on the background because I, I could quote it as I was doing like <laughs> chores around the house. You know, I was like, I, that, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm so invested with this movie. But, um, I kept thinking, like, wow, that's if I hadn't 
seen this movie before, that would have probably got me. And, yeah. you know, but I, you know, you think about it that in the context of when this movie was released, you know, the jump scare kind of cliche that we've seen the last maybe 10, 15 years of horror films has become a tired crutch. Wasn't yeah. that, that, that wasn't what these jump scares were. They, um, they were still jump scares, but I feel like they had a more, they had earned it more. Um, yeah, there was more purpose behind it rather wasn't than any, just for the shock value. I, I wouldn't even say there were any fake outs, like like a cat mm. instead of the ghost or, or whatever kind of fake outs that happen a lot. Um, like the few jump scares, I'll, we can get into them later, but definitely a few that would have gotten me, I think, was this initial one with Jack getting killed. Uh, yeah. The one where he's dreaming and he's laying in the hospital bed and he opens his eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. And, then, and then the one where he the he's the second dream where the guy comes out of the window curtain and stabs the nurse. Oh yeah, that would have I would have lost. Yeah, my that shit. got me. Actually, that did get me. <laughs> so we'll, we'll 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 get back to those. But um, so yeah. anyway, Jack goes to help David up because David does trip like a dumbass. And, I love um, that. <laughs> and They're just so funny together. And and like it's the gore in this movie is very like even like the. I want to talk about so many scenes at once. I can't do that. But um, every big like scene is very like it's very visceral. Like yeah. Um, but it wasn't like it wasn't over the top. Is it is it very realistic. When the werewolf is tearing apart at Jack's body, and he's screaming like it's like it's yeah. like real world traumatic experience that you know it doesn't seem like a horror film. It seems like like a, like a wild animal attack and what, what it is. Yeah. And it, it it brings a different shade of horror to it because it has a sense of realism. Like I could really get attacked by a wolf or a bear or, or, or something like that. Yeah. Like a tear my ass. So it's something one. you can imagine that happening to you. So it's just like, Oh, this is horrifying because this could literally happen to me. And then just, and this is how Jack is screaming. Like it's, yeah, it's just like, fuck man. Like he's like in pain. Yeah. And like, um, David comes back and then he gets bitten, of course, and vampire or vampire. Oh my gosh. Wow, John. <laughs> Where's my head at? The werewolf gets shot. Excuse me. The townspeople actually got off their asses and, and, and did something. Yeah. yeah. And uh Yeah, and then that opening the whole opening like act is really, really good. Like that alone could have been like a great short film. And like cause yeah. like what's next, you know? But um what is next? I is... did really like how they put all that together for the opening act. And I was like, okay, cool. So we're into it straight away. There's no waiting around for something to happen. Like we're getting straight into it. There's no, yeah, there's no, you know, 45 minutes before something happens. Right. Right. They kind of just got moving. They didn't, yeah, drag yeah. their feet or kick the can on that one. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so did you have anything else you want to say about the, uh, this whole Oh, no, no, bit? that's. Yeah, because I like the next couple of scenes. They're yeah. my favorite. David wakes up in the hospital. He's in London. He's in shock. He's in disbelief. Jack is dead. What the hell? Um, can I just comment? The Go way ahead. that Hirsch delivers the news that Jack is dead, I was like, what the hell? You got David, I'd like you to prepare yourself. This friend is dead. <laughs> <laughs> David's like, what? There was no prep time. No. There was no prep time. No. No. 
It's like, no, hey, man, so we have to have a chat. Like, nothing like that. It wasn't. Your friend's dead. No, oh. yeah. No warm up. No, no. Hey, man, you want you want some coffee real quick? Can I get you something? Yeah, do you want I got something st- to I got eat? Some... Let's. let's I got some shit to tell you. <laughs> yeah. And like, I like how he's like, prepare yourself. Um, He had like all of three seconds to prepare for that news. Yeah, I. It was, that's my only gripe. We, uh, Dr. Hirsch is very odd. And so is Mr. Collins from the consulate. Oh, you mean the Frank Oz, the voice of Kermit the Frog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's funny. It's it's funny how we how we look at this film, and we got to think about what is David's like his response to trauma, like how is his body yeah. reacting, and you know he's not reacting. Um, you know, Doctor Hirsch is like seeing him react very strangely, like you know. And I don't think it's a cultural thing like Americans would act differently. I think it's because there's just no way to really understand. Like, you're no one believes David. Everyone yeah. thinks he's a crazy person. Like he knows, or he thinks he knows what he saw, what happened. Um, you know, even it, it, like great recall after three weeks in a coma, maybe not be so great, maybe a little sluggish. But like, I think his 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 response is very was very uh, uh, warranted. And I th- I think the nightmares, um, yeah. I, like I want to get I want to get into the nightmares because those are some of my favorite parts of the film as well. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> they're very interesting. Um, yeah, I have my own notes about my like my thoughts on what the mo- the the notes mean. But uh, before I mean, we get the dreams. <laughs> right. We're we're all we're both are all over uh, the place. But that's uh, all the caffeine I've had. <laughs> well, I'm on my coffee. So, um, <laughs> but we also meet uh, Alex Price the nurse and very pretty, very lovely. And, um, you know, um, now she takes a, 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 a liking to David very quickly. And, um, you know, cause David, he, he's a good looking guy. He's handsome. And, yeah. uh, um, so I, I kind of get it. And he's like this wounded puppy. He's in bed and you know, it happens, but, um, you know, she has this, she, this is attachment to David and she really, really wants, wants to care for him and see and see him through his recovery. And I kind of like how, uh, you know, when David's freaking out, starting to freak out with his dreams, you know, nurse price is the one that comes to comfort him. She reads to him yeah. and you see like their bond growing and it seemed very organic. It didn't seem forced. It didn't seem like she was just put in there to like be like, a love interest or, yeah. you know, it could, there was it could, a vested interest in her being there. Right. She had, she had a role to play that was, that was more than, Oh, you're the guy on the gal kind of a thing. Yeah. So let's talk about these, these dreams though. And then we'll talk yeah. about that. So the first dream is him, um, running through the woods mm-hmm. naked. Yep. Um, and as he's, uh, is that the first one? Yes. Um, and he is in well, the very like first a, one is is just r- him running with yeah. his perspective. Then he gets waken up by Doctor Hirsch when he first wakes That's up. Right. Yeah. So and then the second dream is um, where he sees himself in the hospital bed, and um, then we you know see his he he sees um, Alex with himself, and they're in the middle of the woods, which I thought was. You know, he he was attacked in the woods. He's associating what's happening with him now. He's trying to process what's happened to him. 
um, the things he might believe and what he saw. And so he sees a very distorted image of himself. He has fangs and um, yellow eyes and blue skin. And so maybe I feel like that's him um, worried that he's going to become something he's not or someone he's not and someone he doesn't really recognize. And that's maybe one of his fears is changing so much beyond his own ability to notice who he is and process what's happening. Yeah. I think it's, it's just, it's the deadly combination of both things. One his him suffering um, a traumatic experience um, and his processing, you know, plus the grief of his friend dying. And then also I think it's, it's his body responding to the change. Um, Oh yeah, of course. And so it's just, it's, it's just perfect storm of just messed up emotions and, chemicals and all these things are messing with his head and they're very vivid like yeah i i really enjoyed those dream sequences because it's it's like an evolutionary track of like it's very calm you just run through the woods like okay sure maybe i've had that dream in my life but i never had a dream where i'm like naked and i take down a deer rip its head off yeah and it's like okay um that's some carnivorous activity that is not commonplace in my dreams, but maybe in the yeah. mind of the world. So, so yeah, it's interesting. It's it's, and then I was um, thinking about the dreams that come later, right before yeah. he leaves, right before he sees Jack, the dreams of his family getting killed, and I read read up about this because John Landis is Jewish, and okay. uh, and the character of David and Jack, they're both Jewish. And so John Lance was using this dream of when his family gets attacked as like it was some of his experiences uh, or from his father's experiences growing up um, with Nazis and stuff and um, being hunted and persecuted. So monsters coming into your home and killing your family. Yeah. Uh, and so that was like the like the vessel to, to, to deal with that. And. Like I thought, the whole scene of of his family getting blown away and getting burned was just guttural. Like his yeah. young sister and brother getting shot to death and mm-hmm. mother and dad getting blown away, and and then he has that second, he, like it's like Inception. He has that second dream he wakes up from. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh my god! And Alex, yeah, and that's the jump scare that got you the se- the second one, right? Yeah, that got me because I was I was like, he's awake, it's fine. And then realized he was not awake. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and then you did what David did. He woke up again and went, holy shit. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I feel like this is him um, not being able to control what's happening to him and worrying about harming the ones that he loves. Right. Yeah. It's... And how I'm coming to them. Yeah. He feels, yeah. I feel like he does have a sense of responsibility of what happened to Jack. You know, he yeah. felt maybe that maybe that blood is a little bit on his hands. Um, he said, "Jack, we should go from the bar." Um, yeah. So maybe there's a lot of guilt flying around with David about what happened to Jack. And then, yeah, like you said, it it can balloon further. Like maybe it does breach his family, and maybe he hurts them or something. So, yeah, yeah, it's very dude, intense. Dude's got a lot of problems going on at the moment. Yeah. But he seems to be doing all right when he leaves the hospital because he goes and stays with Alex at her apartment, which I thought was moving very quickly. But she makes comments about how she finds him really um, 
sad and attractive. Like, sad and attractive. <laughs> I was like, what? But before that, um, he's visited by the ghost of Jack before he leaves yes. the hospital. And I love this scene because Jack, um, and what we've noticed about Jack is that he's starting to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And we find out that he's stuck in limbo because um, of the fact that he was attacked by a werewolf. And so yes. Jack has kind of come as a, um, what's the word, a harbor- harbinger? Say again? Like, hey, a harbinger? Like someone of bringing bad news, bearer of bad news? A uh, harbinger. Harbinger. Yeah. There you go. I knew that word. <laughs> I knew what I was saying, at least. <laughs> I knew what you meant, yeah. I type that word. I don't say it a lot. That's fair. <laughs> I never say that word, really, so that's fine. No, I just know that that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but Jack shows Jack up. Jack is like, he's falling apart. And that makeup, like, it's so fun. Even that oh. little that little piece of skin that dangles yeah. on his <laughs> oh, neck. Yuck, as he talks. <laughs> like... It's 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 disgusting. It's revolting, but it's yeah. so it's like beautiful in its own way. It's like it's yeah, because it's so well done, and it's a, a testament to the of um to the achievements of the makeup department because they had to like uh, Rick, like Rick how Baker? do you, Rick Baker? Yep, yep. Yeah. He was a mastermind behind that, and like it's his problem was how do you take away from a face? You can't without yeah. Okay, so you had to like add more and then take away from that, which is like the process they use, and they did with enough color and and darkness to like give it some depth and shade to where it looks like it's it's very deep and it just it it it, it gets me every time like 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 the more i like study it i can really see that it's kind of off of his body is off of his face but like to look just to look at it like at first glance like damn that's he got locked up yeah Yeah. (laughs) holy shit and yeah he brings david the news like i was murdered kill yourself yeah i i had to walk in limbo because i was uh, I died by an unnatural death, and and this is just how it works, man. Like you gotta kill yourself, and which brings me up. I have a question for this later on. Hopefully, I remember to ask it. But um, <laughs> um, but I also like the scene where uh, what at, at this how the scene wraps up with Jack with Jack's visit is David's like I can't accept this like, and he like yeah. screams he screams for the nurse to come to the his nurse. room. And she yeah. comes in and he's like just shaking on the bed. Like there's a lot of underrated acting in this movie. Like everyone really yeah. kills it. This movie is very I really underrated. Like that, um, Jack says to him, like, please, please don't cry. Please don't cry. It's cause like Jack's like, like I don't have a choice here. Like I have to do this. And it's not, it's I have to let you know. Yeah. It's not personal, man. Like in fact, it's better. That it's me. Cause I, I love you, man. Like you're my best bud. And, yeah. um, but also you can kind of see like, kind of like, uh, not the apathy on Jack's half face he has left, but like this, like <laughs> this, de- this like almost dutiful dedication, commitment. Like I have to do this because yeah. this is this has to get done. I have an obligation yeah. to see this to the end. And I know I'm really reading into a lot there, but that's what I pulled out of yeah. Jack's performance. Um, but yeah, so then David gets discharged, goes home with Alex, yeah. and <laughs> I, I mean it's you know. It's the 1980s. It's a horror movie. You got to have sex. You got to have the shower yeah. scene. You got to have the boobies. You got to have the eh, good for them. So they do the thing. Good for them. Hey, you know, whatever. Good, on them. good, on good for them. Um, and then very quickly we get Jack again. And but also there's this another scene that could have been like a a jump scare when it's the old mirror gag when David closes oh, the mirror. Yes, I was expecting that. 
nothing yeah. happened and i was like uh you almost got me <laughs> but uh <laughs> i think that's because you know maybe a lot of people who see it now who've seen newer films will be are kind of trained to know to expect something that's what there it is. yeah so, but I think in 1981, maybe that maybe that wasn't such a gimmick as yet, as of yet. So maybe they could have gotten away right. with it. Uh, who's to say? I wasn't even alive in 1981. I mean, so. well, if you I definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I was born in the 80s, but not 81. I unfortunately um, was at the end of the 80s, so I don't even count. <laughs> I was hey. like the second last month of the 80s. <laughs> hey, still counts. 1989 is <laughs> still the 80s. Um, so. And then, um, so the second visit and, you know, Jack's like pushing David, like, dude, you, what are you doing? Quit fucking around. Yeah. Like, you're going to kill people. Like, yeah. Like cut the shit, man. Let, let's get this. Come on. You know? And David still like, you know, grief is a powerful drug, not a drug, powerful yeah. thing. And I'm sure, you know, there's some rationalization that that David's having, like, okay, I'm just losing my mind because I've been through some stuff recently, and um, and so, yeah, I will not be threatened by a walking meatloaf. <laughs> like he tells he tells Jack to go fuck himself. Like I'm not doing that. Like yeah, yeah. And, See you later. And <laughs> um, but we're also seeing more of the physical supernatural form of Jack falling yes. apart like he's a he's going darker he looks greenish like yeah. moss kind of like the forest because he, he did die in the forest so i understand that this would be like the yeah. the um physical side of his body being you know buried and whatnot it looks when, very grody you know, yeah yeah and his teeth are all gross and um yeah his face is falling apart even more and it it's just really uh grotesque because, like, this is what your body will go through if you get buried. This is what happens. Yeah. You decay. And yeah, it's uh, it, it's a it's a it's a fun process to watch in the context of the yeah. film, but it's also very horrifying. And I, I even like that tender scene after this, right after this, where David gets back in bed with Alex. And I, I funny enough, I finally saw the Wolfman that he talks about from nineteen forties just this past week oh, cool. for, my, for my 1940s week. And so now I knew I, I, I knew everything he was talking about, like who character was character killed who with what and everything. And I, I, it's funny how like Dave was starting to think of like ways to like, kind of like have it make sense to him. Like, Oh, so someone who loves someone can kill them if they're a werewolf, I think. And she's like, what, what yeah. are you talking about? You know, you're, you're, just, you're <laughs> just, you're just traumatized. It's, it's okay. You know, and but yeah so they go they... and alex is um just before we move on alex sure. is really understanding of him being you know going through this grief and this trauma and she is trying to explain to dr hirsch throughout the whole film oh he he is just traumatized like he is having he is trying to process this and i think that having alex as that um more scientific mental health side of things mm -hmm. shows not that she doesn't believe him, but that she understands that he's going through some shit. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I like that. Ner, uh, ner, yeah. Alex, nurse Alex, uh, very great bedside manner. Um, yeah. She's very empathetic, very understanding. And that's what David needs. Um, hmm. And um, 
But yeah, so after that scene, we go back to East Proctor. Dr. Hirsch yeah. puts on his little detective hat. It's like, I'm going to go find out what really <laughs> happened. And I kind of wonder, like, why? I mean, I get why for the plot. I I, I get that. Um, the one thing that we, we really learn from this scene, though, is that it gives David a little validation in Dr. Yeah. Hirsch's eyes. And we know that East Proctor, for whatever reason, is is has this problem. They won't tell anybody. They'll they'll deny it to the to their grave. But you know, there's a, definitely a problem in East Proctor, and um, you know, um, ultimately, Doctor Hurt doesn't really get any solid answers except you know the guy meets him outside. Yeah, and it says and- like he says it without saying it. Like he's like he's going to change. Yeah. He doesn't say what what's going to happen. He's he doesn't say he's going to become a wolf. He's just like. There's something wrong with this place. And I love how, yeah. I, I, like, the way he says that line, again, very underrated acting. There's something yeah. wrong with this place. Like, like, and it's almost like either by obligation or restriction, they have to stay there and, and, and hold the line at East Proctor. And you can see it's exhausting these people. And they have it all in their faces. And, yeah. and, and, and stressed and tired yeah. and and in that scene the person that dr hirsch is talking to outside of the outside of the pub he actually says i'm gonna go check on the dogs and gets up and leaves and you can see that the entire town is like holed up in this place yeah because they're just like don't go outside it's a full moon like we find out later that it is a full moon so they all know, obviously know yeah and like- they don't want to leave yeah, if if he, if he had any choring to do, like checking the dogs, it should have been done already because we were, yeah, you know, um, and I don't know, like you can you can tell that everyone was on guard with when Doctor Hirsch visits because they know that they are full of shit. <laughs> they know yeah. they're they're guilty of being full of shit, and Doctor Hirsch he kind of like uh huh. Uh huh. He kind of like, kind of, he kind of like, yeah. He kind of like humors. I'm like, okay. What do you say? You're full of shit, though. And then, (laughs) my question for you is, why do you think these people at uh, East Proctor would not mention the werewolf? Like, why would they be so protective of it and not just say, "There's a fucking werewolf out there"? Like, what's their rationale for not saying anything? You know, I thought about this question a few times. Am I viewing history of this film like what's what's tying it to east proctor and i don't really have an answer for it um you <laughs> yeah. know because you wonder like okay say you know why did david go to london in the first place jack was sure. killed and dr hirsch even makes a comment to say before you arrived here your wounds were clean and dressed i mean they were already taken care of david i mean and they mm. knew what would happen to david they they they, oh, they just wanted to get rid of him they, I feel like, I feel like they wanted to, you know, if we pass this problem off, it might go away. Maybe it is tethered to this place. We don't know. Yeah. But, but they did know because he said it's almost for moon. He's going to change. Like they, they, they know that they sent him on his way and they're damning whoever runs into him down the road. Mm. And so, excuse me, but so. It, it is the onus is on them to have done the right thing. They should have yeah. either either killed David as well, or they should have kept him in East Proctor. Yeah. Um, because because of 
because of them, that's why people in London were killed. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's consequences for what they did. And I just, maybe it would have been so good to have had a scene where they know what they've done. Yeah, like, there was no real follow-up with these projects. I wish there was. It was no, like, I feel like there's no, I I, I love plot structure where there's moral learning and building and, and development, and we didn't really get any of that. And that's kind of why like, I love and I hate this second East Proctor scene because it doesn't really give us much more than what we already knew. It just yeah. It's just there for Dr. Hirsch to give to get some validation for David, and that's about it. Yeah, so that we can see that Dr. Hirsch is kind of bought into this whole... Because he leaves convinced that they know there's werewolves. And so he is kind of half-sold mm-hmm. on this whole David might be a werewolf. Right. So... Yeah. And so... Um, it's, it's weird. Like, um, I don't know why they they would choose to divulge to him. Like, when he mm. when he to go outside, like, why why would they divulge? What 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 do they have to gain? You know, I think it was finally that one guy. His he was cracked under guilt. Like, I have to say something. Like, accountability. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. it's our fault. Like, yeah, like the one boy died and. It's good that he's dead, but the other one, it's not good. He, you have yeah. to watch out for him. Um, and yeah, so I like it's it's a very interesting scene to think about the the ethics of it. Like, what what responsibility do they hold? And I think they hold a lot of it for certain. Yeah, absolutely. They they definitely should have killed David, but then the rest of the film would have wouldn't have happened. So. Right, we, we wouldn't have had a film for certain. But but it ties yeah. back to your original question, like you know, um, why are they hiding it? You know, yeah. and, you know, you think about, I wonder if that line of dialogue meant more than at surface level when she's, when um, he asks her about the pentagram on the wall, like, oh, it's been here 200 years. It's tradition. We left it. So how long has this problem been dwelling? Going on. And he's yeah. probably at least 200 years. And everyone, <laughs> everyone kind of like just, everyone just knows, hey, when is that time of the month? Hole up. We don't talk about it. Yeah, and then when it's done, hey, everything's right as rain. We'll keep it moving. So yeah, yeah, for certain. So <sighs> yeah, but uh, poor David, <laughs> poor David, poor a lot of people actually. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. um, we come back. To, we cut back to London, and Alex has to go back to work. And you know, for whatever reason, I don't. I never understood why David stayed in London. Like I thought, yeah. he, he would have gone back to the states. Um, maybe he had to like. There's visa issues or immigration. Yeah. I don't, who knows? Who's who? They we, were we, invest. The police were still investigating, so he probably had to stick around for that. It was yeah. It's who knows? It was something con- plot convenience kept him in London, yeah. <laughs> um, which is fine. And so he's holed up. He's bored um, in in Alex's apartment after he gets locked out after she leaves. <laughs> The dog. This would have been me. <laughs> yeah, the, that that dog's barking at him. The cat's hissing at him. Um, he, when that dog is barking and those two girls are laughing at him, that is probably the creepiest thing in the entire movie. <laughs> I was just like, "Why is this funny? Oh my god! Why are you laughing? Like, why is the dog barking? Like, aren't you like like bros now? Like, aren't you like <laughs> yeah. cool? Why are you giving yeah, him you shit? Be friends? Yeah." 
That's but the girls creeped. Yeah, they creeped me out. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I didn't like that. No, not at no. All. Children <laughs> in horror movies are no for me. <laughs> Hard pass. Yes, and but I, I like that the cat. Um, that hiss that that cat gives him is so unnatural and so out there. It that creeped me out too. I was like, can you can you stop that? Please. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, yeah, so he's, he's, he gets back into the flat and he's fighting off boredom. He's not hungry. We had that great Bad moon rising C- CCR is playing. Yeah. Um, I like, he had the wherewithal to leave the doors open to get out. Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of like, I think he was, he was like, just in case something happens, at least I have an out. Just in case the door gets locked again. Yeah. Um, and I, we we go from Bad Mood Rising to another version of Blue Moon, and yeah, which I really enjoy because every song in this movie there is moon in the song title. So, yep. yep. So we've got uh, Full Moon, Bad Moon Rising, and I think moon, there's another Moon song. Dance. That's right. Yep. Um, but this rendition of Blue Moon is so cool that I need it on my playlist. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's it's really nice. It's very good. And yeah. I uh, did you did you did the how did you react when David yells Jesus Christ and he falls over? Like, were you were you expecting that to happen at that moment? No, it's like a cut, like a split second change from him being incredibly bored to being in a lot of physical pain. Yeah. And, and you can see how, like, rigid his body is. Like, you can see the pain. And I think that this physical, um, like, display of what he is going through is done in a way that's made it absolutely unforgettable. I, um, the whole transformation scene, like, I could probably have a whole episode just on this transformation yeah. scene. <laughs> it's very important. I kind of actually don't want to spend too much time on it because I feel if I get into that wormhole, I might not... <laughs> get pulled out again no, but I, I, I will say that it's it, it, it took a lot of balls to really go the extra step with these effects you know instead of having lap dissolves of hair forming like the old wolfman movies did like yeah john lance was very explicit in to his makeup people like no i want to see this happening i want to watch it happen yeah. on the screen as his nails come out and his snout elongates and his hands are expanding and oh my bones God. are snapping and flesh is moving as more bones are formed. <laughs> and like the scenes of gore, like this is also a really visceral scene. Like you hear the yeah. bones and muscles contracting and cracking. And, oh. and I'm like, going to tell you right now, um, out of all horror things, the sounds of bones breaking are what gets me. Like I cannot handle bones snapping or breaking or like rubbing together like i just have a real big thing with like bones yeah That's, i get that yeah i get that a lot i uh i think eyes and nails are my thing personally I oh can't, eyes I, too yeah can't, can't do it but um but yeah so david transforms like let's, let's, i'm gonna move on before i get into my little rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> and then we hear the howl but- again but before he says that, while he's uh-huh. transforming, he asks, you know, where the fuck are you now, Jack? And I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf, so Jack. Still, yeah. 
he's still like maintaining Conscious. that level of humor and like recognition for what's going on because he now is he now is fully bought into the fact that this is going to happen because for so long he like has been denying everything that Jack has told him. Yeah, and like I kind of I don't blame David for denying it, but also oh, it's like, it, but also it's like well, you know he he in the moment he does accept it because he has no real alternative to speak of. Yeah. But he's like, know, well, this is it. This, yeah. It's I'm committed to this now. Um, he cha- he transforms completely and then he howls and that howls yeah. back. And um, I, I, <laughs> I love, I love how these attacks are, are perfect. The attacks that he, yeah. that he commits. There's some like logistical and, continuity issues i have a problem with a little bit because like how does he get from different parts of the city as a werewolf and not kill so it's london it's not like it's like a yeah a small town it's like, an incredibly busy place yeah like how did you not kill more people than the six you killed but i digress what we what we do see you know i love the dinner party guests that get killed um i know, love the woman at the window how she's like oh sweetheart the hooligans are out in the park again <laughs> i was like no your friends are dying and uh, I I like how uh, the quick cut of when she the, the two the couple are outside and she gets attacked from the side that very quick yeah. cut I'm like like ah and then it has a quick flash cut of the eyes of the werewolf like attacking the oh, oh I love that and um okay so I I'm not too crazy about the the three homeless guys getting killed um yeah kind of is is almost like they're almost like fodder I guess everyone is is fodder really but um there's definitely more time spent on my favorite killing which was the subway scene um yes uh like gerald I, brinsley oh yes poor, G- <laughs> poor jerry later. <laughs> jerry and like the whole what what got me when i first saw this movie cat when i first saw this movie when i was a little boy it was it it aired on this channel called comedy central you, you know, oh, I, yeah, we have Comedy Central. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I'm, I, no, that's okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> back in the day, Comedy Central would play like Blazing Saddles. It would play Clue. It played. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, oh, I love Clue. And uh, oh, I did a whole other episode on someone else's show about Clue. I love that movie too. But um, they would show an American Werewolf in London on Comedy Central. Interesting. Um, and so I, that's the first time I ever saw it. Uh, and. I remember watching this. This is probably one of the first things I ever saw. I think it was channel surfing, and I landed on Comedy Central, and it was the, the guy running through the subway. I'm like, "What the hell is this about?" And then when he finally falls in the escalator, and and you that is that overhead shot shooting down the oh, escalator, and you see him creep out of the top of the frame, and see and you really see how massive he is. Like he's a big fucking wolf. And I'm yeah. like that scene alone hooked me, and. No, I, I lied. No, I saw when the homeless guys got killed, and I kind of stuck around for the whole subway scene. And yeah, then I, and which then... is just amazing. That chase scene where there's just – that's intense because I'm just like – It's like Jaws. Like you, don't, being... you know yeah, it's there, but you don't see it. Stuck. And um, all you see is like, his reaction, like, good Lord, and, and he just takes yeah. off. And um, oh, like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, um, I really – I love that scene. So – and uh, what Comedy Central used to do on some of their viewings, they would like just repeat. They would double book the same movie. And I think okay. since this move, since this part was kind of like towards the end of the movie anyway, probably like halfway, 
halfway back half of the movie, um, when I first saw the subway scene, um, like within the next 45 minutes with commercial breaks, they're going to start it over again. So I just, I turned it off and I came back in like 45 minutes, <laughs> started it fresh. Um, and then the next day I went out and I rented it from Blockbuster. Um, you had to see it again. I, I Well, I had to see because it was edited for television. So all the... Oh, all, of course. All the big gore, all the language, all the stuff was really was edited, wasn't yeah. edited out. So I got a, the watered down version of it. But even then, that was enough to, to hook me. I didn't need all the extra bits. You know, I just wanted to see the whole for full integrity of the movie. I wanted to see the whole thing. Yeah. But um. Okay. Anyway, I love the I love the <laughs> looking through my notes here. I love the subway scene. Yeah, um, the subway scene's awesome. And then we cut to the zoo. <laughs> and there's wolves and there's man ass and yeah <laughs> i mean he has... was actually in that den with wolves he was i was like you're naked with those wolves no thanks he was naked so... a lot in this movie yeah i mean he's got a nice butt so he's lucky <laughs> i mean good for him you know um <laughs> good on him good on him literally good on him uh, <laughs> and you know it's kind of it's like funny like it's little pockets of humor are sprinkled in. Yeah. It's not like, like gag funny or really witty funny. It's like, it's like, it's like just moments are like, Oh, that's, that's silly. That sucks to happen to him. Like he had to take the the balloons from the kid and he's like, I love him in the bush and he's like, I'll give you, I'll give you a pound if you come over here. And I'm like, (laughs) that is. Yeah. And he's like, I'm the balloon thief. (laughs) Why would a thief want to give me two pounds? And, (laughs) Well, like, like even like so back to Comedy Central. Even on like the, they would do like commercial bits. So like we'll, we'll be right back to an American World of London. They'll show like a quick scene of the movie. It'll be like a funny scene, like a naked American man stole my balloons. What you know that whole yeah? Because it's funny. It's a funny scene. That was so good. And he steals the jacket. Anyway, he gets back home finally. To Alex, he's like, "Where the hell have you been?" Well, I woke up in the zoo. That's what I did. And she's like, uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> and she, like, David's so, like, he's, he's like, going a thousand miles an hour. He's so, like, yeah. like I don't know, revved up from everything. And he, he even says, I feel, my body feels great. I feel like an athlete. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then he gets, they get in the cab um, to go see Dr. Hirsch. And the cab driver spills the beans about the murders and David just loses his shit. Um, yeah. Side note, have you ever seen the movie Snatch with Brad Pitt? Yes. So you remember the mob boss, Bricktop? Like the old man? Oh, barely. Okay. It's been well, a long time since I've seen like, it. He's like the main, <laughs> main uh, antagonist of Snatch. Okay. He's the cab driver that they get in the cab. Oh, no way. Yep. Yeah. Ah. A little small, small bit role he had, but... uh. But yeah, so um, I love the scene where after David flips out and he goes to like, oh, he goes in that tirade in front of the police officer. I'm trying to get arrested. Yeah, he's saying like all really awful things that I won't repeat well, on the podcast. He drops like a sea bomb, and I was like, it is 1981 and you're American. Like that is like you can't even drop sea bombs in 2021 in America. <laughs> like right. here, it's normal. Here, that language is completely normal, but it's also contextual. So it obviously depends what context you're using that word in. Sure. And when I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's fine. But I know that it's like a big taboo word in both England 
end in America. So to like, hear that in a script, I was like, what? Yeah, in, in America, like, we, you have to, like, really earn that word to say it or, or, or <laughs> it's, you, that's not a casual word. Like, I, I'll say fuck every other, se- every other word. Yeah. But that, for, no, no, can't do it. Uh, it's, you know, cultural thing. And we all, yeah. we all, and we all get that too, but we still abide by these phantom rules we put on ourselves. It's really silly. <laughs> um, I don't know why we do that, but, um, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> um, so he tries to get arrested, and he like that doesn't work. And <laughs> the cops like, "All right, jog on, off he's, you go." He's like, See ya. "Like, dude, you're wasting my time. Like, shut up, get out, of, get out of here, go fly a kite, buddy." <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, um, uh, he then professes his love to Alex. Does, I was gonna say that next. He does, and oh, and that was cringe for me. I was like, "Oh." And her face, Please. her face is like, uh, huh, "What? Excuse me? <laughs> um, no." Honey, check yourself. No. Yeah. No, sir. Uh, we, we, no, thank you. You're, you're a booty call. Uh, <laughs> you're a take-home booty call right now. That's <laughs> that's that's all you mean to me. But and I okay, that's not really fair. That's oversimplification. I think she does care for David. Oh yeah. But well, she um, was his nurse for a month. Yeah, so, so it makes sense. So she's definitely invested with David in his in his care. But her reaction is pretty pretty standard. I, I feel like. Yeah. Most women would do the same thing, like, uh, what? Um, we're not there, buddy. But um, thanks, but no thanks. But I also think David's talk. David's coming from a place where he's not really thinking everything through. Um, and I think she realizes that too. She does. I I, I, would, I yeah. would agree. Um, but I really wanted. To, excuse me. Before we get to the the great porno theater scene. <laughs> I mean, how many times? How many times can you say that sentence? In everyday everyday speak, like before, before we get to the great porno theater scene, um, <laughs> the Piccadilly porno scene, I'll yeah. call it. <laughs> so yeah, right. So I really want to draw in on the, the when he's in the phone booth or the phone box, yeah. as they say. So I so there's more. The scene is a lot deeper than I think the casual viewer will will really see. It's more subconscious because I, I like the sweeping pan. Or the, the the dolly kind of follows around like one solid shot for a long time before it kind of goes into the phone box with David, and you feel you remember he he feels boxed in, he feels he's suffocating, yeah. he feels very trapped, and that's I feel that's very symbolic that he's in this phone box, and yeah, you know he's talking to his sister, and you know he's like saying his goodbyes. He knows he's never going to yeah. go home again. Um, he knows what he has to do, and. He knows that he only has this one last chance to say goodbye to his family. And he obviously doesn't have that relationship normally with his younger sister because you can see how he's like, no, silly. Like, I really mean it. And um, even in his tone of voice, it's such a sincere, I'm, he's calling out to say sorry. Like, I'm going and I'm never coming back. Yeah. Again, underrated acting in this movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. That whole scene, like that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole film, is the phone booth scene. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's like a master class or a clinic in acting or anything like that, but it's like again for a genre that doesn't really pride itself on such talent and skill set, you know, they really brought it in this movie, and yeah. I think that's a good part of why it has such a less a lasting legacy. But I'm being ahead of myself there. Um, 
You know, but yeah, then we go to he sees Jack one last time. Jack's Jack, like, hey, come on in here. Come into this porno theater. You know what? And like you go he go he goes in, he sits down with Jack and you know it's kind of funny, like they're both sitting down in the back row and like their eyes are on the screen, they're kinda of like and they both have this expression, even though Jack's like a corpse and doesn't really have expressions, both David and Jack have this expression that you remember, like, they're asking themselves, like, you remember when watching porn was, like, exciting? Like, yeah. Like, this is, like, I guess, like, great movie, like, whatever. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, because, like, you know, it's just so funny. Like, it, you see, like, both of them have lost their will. <laughs> what I mean by that? And they're kind of dancing around what they know is inevitable. Yeah. Um, well, Jack does throw it back in his face. He's like, I I, I, I did you. I, I told you, like <laughs> yeah. and and I, you know what's really again I find morbidly beautiful was when he introduces the victims David's victims, yeah, and again it's very dark humor how they're like like when they're bantering about <laughs> how David should kill himself, but I really I, enjoyed that scene because that's my sense of humor, so I find <laughs> like that. Quite funny, and I'm just like, oh god, yeah, drowning. I've, I've had these yeah. jokes before with people, but um, a scene right before they kind of get into all that 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 back and forth with that stuff is back to Jerry. Yeah, and you know, I feel it's good they may had Jerry do this bit because we spent so much time with Jerry in the subway. Um, we didn't really get to know Jerry, but we do now. He's he, yeah. he left my wife. A widow of my children, fatherless, and then he points to David. Yeah. His hand is completely drenched in blood. Said you because he's freshly dead. Yeah, he's like you. So must then they die. don't look like Jack. Yeah, they don't look like Jack. Whereas Jack no. is, you know, literally like he he has no lips and his eye sockets are falling out. And right. these people, he can, you know, they're following. Sorry, they're showing the you know, consequences of David not deciding to take his own life before all this happened. So they're so freshly dead. They're like fresh there to show David right there and then this is what you've done. Right. Fuck you. And uh, yeah, like it's like, I get, cause they, they're, they're now in the initial stages of, of decay. Yeah. And, but like, they're in limbo too. But yeah, like it's just Jerry pointing his finger at David. Like I had to go, I keep yeah. going back to that. Like it's just very, it's imprinted in my head how he points David and like charges him. Like you have to do this. Yeah. You are, this is your responsibility. And, um, and, and you know, eventually the moon comes out again. Ugh. And, and I, I like that. It's like a landscape, like establishing shot of a Piccadilly circus in the sun. It like creeps out of the clouds. Yeah. That's a really good shot. I, I like that shot a lot. And David transforms again, and the the usher's like, "You all right, man?" And he's like, "Get out, <laughs> run!" Yeah, yeah. I, I actually really love the intensity of him, like being so forceful to try and protect these people from himself. Yeah, you know, uh, yes, I like. I I think I, I want to say I want to believe that too. Uh, I think it's a very romantic notion. I think that if David, um. I think that if David uh, um, had the wherewithal, he would have known. He would have like kept his watch. 
he would look at the time. Yeah. I had to go somewhere else. I can't stay in this theater. There's people in here. And maybe he just lost track of time or, or something. Yeah. And um yeah, I think he it was it was on Dave on David that, you know, he could have picked a better place. And really on Jack too. Like, what the fuck, Jack? Like you know he's gonna do it again. What are you doing? Yeah. Um What's wrong with you? But uh I guess I love uh, we didn't really talk about the the shitty ass police chief guy and his little oh, yeah. bumbling buddy. We didn't even talk about them at all. <laughs> they they are a good. Well, the 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 junior cop is really funny. He's he's, <laughs> he's really silly, and there's a couple of gags with him and the bedpans earlier in the film. Um, oh, I love that. But um, <laughs> that's that's the very. Cops have been tracking David. Yeah, that was they very British humor. They are, and um, yeah. so I kind of liked. Because you're meant to like not like the older cop because he's kind of a douchebag, and um, you know. So when after oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. The other usher <laughs> comes through, or no, the Bobby comes through, and he sees the usher torn to shred like, inside the theater. Oh yeah, and they lock it up, don't they? They put yeah, the they just, security they, they, gate down. They put the gate down, and it's trying to bust through the gate, and it does, and I it's. Love this scene. And it oh it rips off the head of, of oh. this this police chief guy. Oh, it's so it good! It's so good. I loved it. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I don't know. You know, um, I want to say that this this traffic jam scene that happens one is very well choreographed, very yeah. realistic, very graphic. Um, so I know that um, Michael Jackson had hired George Landa. John Landis to to direct thriller for him because he because he had seen this movie, yeah. And I was watching a making of thriller thing oh ages ago, and they're referencing that point and they showed a clip of American World of London, and they showed this traffic scene. I'm like, and this is also before I had seen the movie, before I saw it on Comedy Central like I mentioned earlier, and I remember watching this like just just the traffic scene. And they, this is like on a normal TV station and they were showing every part of it. Like people getting thrown out the windows, getting, getting run over. Run over. I'm like, like, oh. God damn, man! Holy shit! <laughs> that is not family friendly. <laughs> this, this movie is wild. Yeah, it wasn't like on like it was, it was like at like at night. It wasn't like you know during the day. Oh, okay. But uh, but it was it was like on like a normal channel. But anyway, wow. um, yeah, that scene kind of rocked my world when I first saw it, and it's still kind of like I'm almost glued to it. It's like you can't look away from a train look wreck. Away. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah. Um, away from a car accident, rubbernecking. <laughs> you can't do it. And did you notice uh, in your research that that was uh, there's a director's cameo in the in that whole traffic scene? Because I, I know that in the Nazi scene, that Rick Baker and John Landis are uh, the monster, like one of the monsters in that. But I didn't right. know that they were, that John Landis. Is, yeah, so it was a, in the cast. There's a uh, it's very quick, two quick cuts. Um, there's a, there's a tall, white, skinny guy, black hair, beard, like a bandana. He gets hit and he's and he falls backwards into a, another woman, and they go through a plate glass window into a building. Yeah. So that's that was John Landis getting hit. Oh no way! Yeah. Yep. He's just like, I want to have some fun. Let's do this. Yeah, why not? And put me in. And you know, so then the, they they call in the cops. Um, the reports of a mad dog in Piccadilly Circus. Like, what a great title for anything like that could yeah. been, that could have been the title of this movie mad dog and piccadilly circus oh that would have been cool i like that <laughs> that's going on we twitter. should do it we should make our own. <laughs> that's going on twitter later mad dog 
in Piccadilly Circus. Alternate take on American Werewolf in London. Make it happen, Internet. Let's do it. Uh, we we just unlocked some gold just now, you and I. We, we make, we're making this happen. Let's not, let's not tell anyone. <laughs> no, let's not do this. Got to, had to delay this airing of this of this episode till we get the rights. Until we make, yeah, until we've got a patent on it and nobody can do That's anything it. with it. Correct. And um, so the p- police are pursuing David. Doctor Hirsch and Alex are pursuing David. I like how like yeah. when Doctor Hirsch tells. Alex is a, a mad dog in Piccadilly Circus or something. She's like, David. Like, oh, like, she just, like, calculates. Oh, that's Straight David. Away. Yeah. N- with no doubt. It wasn't like, she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh, that's yeah. David. Um, I think that was more for, like, to kind of get the yeah, movie finished. Like, <laughs> all right. Okay. Everyone's on board. Let's just, let's just close this thing out. Um, David's a werewolf. Let's go. Yeah. And... <laughs> so they finally get David down the alley and once again he's boxed in. So a part of me yeah. thinks he went down there for a reason. Like like yeah, like, me too. like I had that romantic notion that he is like I got to do the right thing even in my little wolf pea brain I'm going to go down this alley I'm going to back myself in a corner and no one else has to die. Whether or not that's true I have no idea that's just what I want to believe. And you know <sighs> Some people have a problem with this ending. Oh, really? Um, well, well, let's talk about what happens. Yeah. So the police show up, and well, Alex breaks through the police barrier. Barricade. Gets yeah. through the, the firing squad, sprints down the alley, and tries to reason with a dog, and uh, with with David, David the wolf. And you know, of course, there's this. You can again, there's a couple overhead shots of the the body, the full body. Because, yeah. because um, earlier during the, the whole traffic jam scene, we were just talking about like the scenes of the wolf is just like the front is front legs, and is yeah. is, is the front part of his body because the rest of it was like was a puppet getting pushed. And um, okay, because so- I remember reading something that John Landis didn't want the typical werewolf. He didn't want a man on two legs. A he wanted all, yeah, yeah. He wanted all four. He wanted to be a monstrosity. Mm-hmm. You know that was as close to the animal as possible. And so I think they did a really freaking amazing job. And I, the werewolf films that I've seen are like the howling and ginger snaps and, mm-hmm. and the, and the likes of those. I, and so this just really stands out from that, you know, two legged man cryptid werewolf combination of a monster. Right. Yeah. This, um, well, it's funny. Like, if you watch this movie now, the frame of reference of um, it's if it's new to you, but you have this back catalog of werewolf films you've already seen, like, like Underworld or yeah, oh god, Ginger Snaps. Like, um, I liked. I really love um, um, Dog Soldiers. Have you seen Dog Soldiers? I haven't seen that yet. Oh, no, that's, that's that's really good, by the way. <laughs> uh, low budget British horror film. It's. It's it's like have you seen the movie Aliens? Yeah, it's like Aliens, but they're werewolves instead. Okay. It, spoilers. That's like the whole point of the I can movie. Do it. So it's really that good. Sounds like something I'd watch. Yeah. Um, low budget. It's just it's oh it's a fucking <laughs> fucking treat. It's, a, it's such a fun <laughs> fun watch. I digress. Um, what was I talking about? Okay. Um, uh, this scene, the the end scene. So the ending and, but yeah, so yeah, so it's a massive four legged beast. 
Yeah. And you like I like the close the insert shots of its face as as its wrinkles kind of rest as he's kind of planning like, oh, maybe I will be nice. And he's like, no, nope, I'm gonna fucking attack her. And he gets blown away by the cops and reverts back to human form. David. Alex is crushed. Yeah. Blue, we get a third version of Blue version Moon. Version of Blue Moon. Yeah. I just can't believe they just rolled the credits on that. So, I was like, um, excuse me, I have questions. So, so I have a theory about this ending. And okay. my theory is it's an homage to... Now, I have a new theory because I just watched the original Wolfman recently. That's how yeah. the original Wolfman ends. Like, the, okay. the, the werewolf gets killed and he snaps back to human form, as you do. And, like, back in the days... So I also did a 1930s week as far as part of my uh, part of my film challenge, excuse me. And I made a note of that, like when those films were like done, like the end, That's like it. pile of card, like, like, okay. so I think it was an homage to that scene. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. To, to that style of, of storytelling. Like it's over with, like, what are you going to do? Like have Dude's people, talk, have people talk about it later? Like, no, what's, what's there to talk about? He's dead. It's true. over with. Um, yeah, true. So, but, I mean, some uh, horror movies nowadays could definitely just end on that note. <laughs> honestly, like... <laughs> I can't do two and a half hour horror movies anymore because I'm just like, oh, when's this meant to end? Like, yeah, like, I, I sat through the director's cut of Midsummer. I'm like, never again. No, I sit through the director's cut of Doctor Sleep because I fucking love that movie I, and I, I love Mike Flanagan. Yes. Yeah. Very much agree. Yes. Very, 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 very good. Because um, I just can't get enough. So <laughs> it's like, I need to watch. Can you make this a seven hour movie for me, please? <laughs> it's funny enough. I didn't really like the book that much. I, I, I bought Dr. Well, no, I got a gift. I got Dr. Sleep gifted to me when it came out and I read through it. I'm like, eh, okay. It was. It didn't really like blow me away. Yeah. But the I've mo- been reading it for seven months. <laughs> You've been reading it for seven months? Six, six or seven months I've been reading Dr. Sleep. I'm only like, like maybe I, th- I think you just three reinf- chapters in. I think you might have reinforced my point. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a great, it's a terrible book, but it's not really a great one either. No. But um, like I like the, sh- I've read The Shining a million times. Um, I have been, I have a lot of trouble uh, processing Stephen King's writing. So. Oh, interesting. Um, it's something I'm still, it's just where my reading level is at, I think. Okay. Where I'm used to yeah, it's it's a process. I'm getting through it. <laughs> okay. Hey, we all have a journey. That's fine. That's my journey with Stephen King. I love his film adaptations. Like one of my favorite films as a as a very early teenager was uh, Salem's Lot because uh, I mm-hmm. love vampire movies. Like that is my. I also like, have that is my genre. I have a Kurt Barlow tattoo of my calf. Oh no! <laughs> True story. That's amazing. I love, I, I love Salem's Lot. I own three copies of the novel. I have a copy of the 1979 miniseries and the 2004 oh. miniseries. I, oh, I didn't think... Oh, it's my favorite book by Stephen King. I the 2004 one. It's, it's different because they want to like change some things. Um, no, no, leave it alone. <laughs> so, uh, I, I hear you. Okay, I hear you there. Um, but they, they, gave Bar- they gave Barlow... They put Barlow back in in, in this movie. Oh, okay. Because yeah. Barlow was just like reduced to like Rrr, in 1979 yeah. version. They gave him like he's actually kind of really charismatic. Um, 
anyway. Yeah, I have read that in because I obviously read a lot of reviews and uh, analysis of films and whatnot. And one of the things I will always do is read a lot about Stephen King's films mm-hmm. because I just really enjoy what Stephen King has to say about how people have interpreted his writing. So I find it really fascinating. Yeah, I, I've read Salem's Lot. Uh, as the most read book I've, in my life is Salem's yeah, Lot. Yeah, mine's uh, Needful Things because that book just cracks me up. I love it so much. I don't think I ever, I think I might have started it when I was younger, like in my twenties, but good. I haven't finished it. So I, it's on, there's a pile of Stephen King I have not read because <laughs> what I do instead, I reread Salem's lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So an American werewolf in London, um, clue me in how you like to conclude these things. I'm sorry. I saw, uh, notes- I just, um, I, we can wrap it up cause I have a few comments. Um, sure. my takeaway of the film I really loved David's um, character arc. His He had his own transformation because at the start of the film, he's in denial. So he's processing grief. He's trying to understand. He's completely basically telling Jack, no, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a liar. You're a figment of my imagination. And then we see him slowly accept his fate. And I think that that's really important in this film, that personal personal transformation he goes through from being a complete denier to being wholeheartedly like I've this is it this is where I'm at now sorry I've got to do this right yeah so uh my takeaway from American World in London is that it's um it's essentially a classic remake it, or that doesn't make any sense let me try that again <laughs> it's um <laughs> Take two. Uh, it's basically um, a remake in disguise. It, it, it's, of it's, the Wolfman? Of the Wolfman. Um, yeah. It, that's how I see it. And it's very funny. Um, it's not funny in the conventional comedic delivery. It's very yeah. funny in its tone. And it's, it's delivery of certain um, scenes where stuff happens to people and not what people might, what, what, what they might not say or, or react to, but what happens to them in the situations yeah. they find themselves in. And because I will agree, there is character growth. Um, there's great effects. There's oh yeah very, very underrated acting and very underrated scenes that, you know, I think maybe they don't land with everybody and that's okay. I think they're subconsciously, still rooted enough to where someone may recommend this movie to you to watch or rewatch. If you've seen it before, like, Oh yeah, I remember this being a very good film, not a good horror film, not a good werewolf film, not a good comedy film. It's a very good film as itself. Yeah. And I, I like how it kind of just, in my opinion, kind of transcends, like it's not just tied down. Oh, it's just a horror film. Like, no, it's just a good movie. Like I could put this on. Yeah, any, I, I, could, I could watch this any day of the week. I don't have to be in a mood for it. I don't have to be, you know, it's a very comfortable film to watch. Um, yeah, it, I enjoy it, it. In a short runtime of like what ninety-seven minutes, including credits, yeah. it ha- it offers so much inside that tight tight, tight space. So yeah, so that's why I think it. You know, like I love the Howling too. Howling had great effects also, but Howling just doesn't have that same story. And it didn't. No. You know, it, like in all fairness, like it it just doesn't you know hook me. Um, what I will say, I will never recommend anyone go see an American Werewolf in Paris. 
oh, I nearly accidentally watched that. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is the wrong movie. And quickly swapped it over because I, um, American Werewolf in Paris is free on Amazon and I had to rent American Werewolf in London. And so I just typed it in, didn't even read like the description and put it on. And I was like, wait a second, this isn't London. Why am I, why am I at the Paris Symphony Orchestra? This is wrong, wrong, wrong movie. Right. And so uh, I didn't get into it. So um, if I know anything, it's if a horror person says not to watch something, maybe I should avoid it. <laughs> I yeah, you'll 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 thank me forever if you never see it. <laughs> but now I'm kind of interested. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you ever have one of those days where you get burned through some garbage, that's a good put that on as well a good choice yeah excellent (laughs) (laughs) well um thank you so much for this episode and introducing me to another horror classic that i will potentially pass on to my nieces um because it's something in their wheelhouse believe it or not (laughs) um so i always wrap up my podcast with asking my guest what is the last horror movie you watched uh well funny enough um it was the wolfman Oh, excellent. Yeah. So about a week ago. Um, yeah. The Wolfman, um, 1941, Lon Chaney Jr., Claude Rains, and Bella Lugosi. And, oh, excellent. Um, very short, 70 minutes long. Um, it doesn't, you know, it kind of just boom, 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 done. Um, it goes nice. by very quickly. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was it was good to, like, finally see, you know, the roots, where the roots took form with certain horror. Yeah. So it's definitely more, it was definitely more of an educational watch than for popcorn and having a good time though. I did both. So. Yeah. I mean, that's every horror movie for me ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I watched the hallow. It is on prime. It is an Irish folklore horror movie. So it's about fairies and banshees and baby stealers and a family that moves into a forest and like a property on the edge of a forest and all the neighbors are like, uh, you shouldn't be here. Something's going to happen to you. And it does. And it just really builds up on the horrifying parts of Irish folklore. Well, Celtic, well, Celtic folklore. It's, it was really fascinating because I'm really into folklore. So, uh, and folklore, like folk horror is like, I love it. It's so (laughs) amazing. Um, especially before like hereditary and midsummer came along. Um, like yeah so it came out in i think it's 2015 so yeah it was really good okay. i had nice. to put subtitles on because irish accents are hard um they, they are in all fairness yeah but it was good it was it was really gruesome it was cool oh yeah i'll have to check it out yeah it was i thought it was cool <laughs> nice good yeah so um where can we find you on the internet um, I'm, my podcast, Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn, is on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Stitcher, it's on Google Podcasts, um, and I'm also on, on YouTube, Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. I'm currently doing a 2021 film challenge, where every day for a year I'm watching a new film I've never seen. I post weekly videos giving my thoughts and critiques and grades on what I just saw, and it's been a blast. It's been fun. I hope to y'all come out and check it out. Yeah, I absolutely will be. Um, so once again, thank you to my wonderful guest. Please check John and the Blood, Sweat and Popcorn podcast out in all places mentioned. 
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on your social media, or leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from the podcast. You can follow TGIF on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at TGIF Pod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday.